0: It's Bigfoot Collector's Club, with Bryce and Michael.
1: I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this.
2: Nova, the sheepish lion. Nova, there's no denying he's a wild and woolly sheep. Nova, the sheepish lion. Oh, yeah. I love that cartoon. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm Lam- good to go Lambert. now. <laughs> Lambert. Lambert. Um, I'm sitting here with Mr. Nova, who is healing my late night wounds. <laughs> Mike's, Mike's hungover. Hi, everybody. It's Michael McMillan. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal histories, and share tales of high strangeness. Uh, As I said, I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host... Bryce Johnson. And your trusty producer... Riley Brake. And before we bring in our lovely guest today, uh, I just want to give a shout-out, A, to uh, all the hard-working... Firefighters, first responders, men and women who are putting their lives on the line uh, to fight the California wildfires that are happening right now. Thank you so much. Um, we uh, The podcast donated yesterday to the cause. If you would like to help out our firefighters, you can go to LAFD.org and uh, you can donate there to help them get uh, water packs and Things that they need to help save lives and wildlife, so, boy, it's been a rough week here in California. Yeah, no kidding, man. So, uh, thanks to all of our brave souls out there. Um, also, Bryce, buddy, speaking of Bigfoot, you're back in a cast.
3: Uh, yeah, back in a cast. Had a second surgery on my foot, so I'm really excited
2: about that. Um, how you feeling, pal? <laughs>
3: I'm feeling good. Surgery went great. Got some nice hardware in there, and... Uh, yeah, the surgeon was pleased. He's like, I'm going to show this to my doctor
2: buddies. I was like, okay, great. That sounds good. <laughs> this, of course, is your broken heel. Yeah, so this you, is my broken you broke heel. Just after we uh, started, started yeah. this podcast, guess what? what? The official main feed went live a year ago. Yeah, that's This crazy. week. So now it really is our first birthday with Riley. So oh,
3: yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. Is, uh, we've Finally. been doing this
2: for one year in this clubhouse. Thank we God. did it. And you know what? This show would be nothing if it weren't for our amazing guests. Um, I want to bring in today's guest. Do it. She is a stranger. Um, I can't believe that she agreed to come do this podcast, basically after knowing me after 24 hours. Uh, trust, I'm man. worried you're going to get murdered someday.
4: <laughs> um, I'm worried I'm going to get murdered today.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, still the night's still young. Um, but uh, she is an actor whom I recently worked with. She's a writer. You may see her. You may have seen her on TBS's. Sitcom Wrecked, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome TV's Jessica Lowe. Yay! Hi, Hi. thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for thanks coming. For coming. Here. Oh my gosh, isn't it? Is it weird to not uh, see me with a fake mustache on?
4: Yeah, you ate so much dirty, <laughs> dirty hair. Oh he opted for the breakfast burrito, right. but he had to watch himself eating it in a full-length mirror because he was consuming <laughs> so much pubic. Oh my hair. God, this fake
2: mustache I wore for the show—we just it worked on together it was like someone shaved their pubes and glued them on my face. Right, it right. was the worst. I love that
3: you had to watch it and, and yourself eat it in front of a mirror. Like, yeah, because I didn't want to... Like, I kept oh, like, this is fun. <laughs>
2: I kept getting, I know, what a weird... Here I was in like a fake mustache and a smoking jacket yeah. eating a bur- breakfast burrito <laughs> in a mirror. It was like someone's a weird fucking fetish.
4: I immediately was like, this is the vainest dude
2: ever. <laughs> just hold on, I'm watching myself hold eat. Hold on, let me just... Uh, Snarf down (laughs) this uh, bacon and egg burrito. That's amazing. Um, Yeah, we spent, uh, Jessica and I spent uh, 48 hours trapped in the W Hotel. Oh, cool. It felt like we were on a very surreal vacation with people we didn't know. Nice. Including one another.
4: Mm -hmm. But we got through it. We got through it.
2: Jess likes to keep the room real cold.
4: (laughs) I run hot. (laughs) I run real hot, Uh, like a wolf.
2: I mean, wolves are notoriously warm. <laughs> Everyone knows this. That's
1: why they're so snow. Why do you like the room
2: that. so cold? Are you just like you? I mean, I I dug it actually. I, I think, think we scared think because, off the other actor. I
4: know. I think because I had a hot mic on my spine. Oh yeah, that was that was really doing some business. It was sending oh the
2: the heat vibes. Yeah, up yeah. And down. I
4: was just. I like to cool it re- down so I don't get sleepy because every time we went in the other room and it's just like- It's a comedy must aid. Yeah. Like <laughs> just all the grips are just ball sweating. It's just, yeah. just like yeah. real hot. So I wanted it to be That's like they do. crisp.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just spent, uh, I just got done writing for a show and I was four weeks in a writer's room and we were like in the same room all day and by the end of the day- You know who doesn't, who wears and does not wear deodorant. Like it (laughs) gets real steamy in that place. Um, So, yeah, I get it. I would have liked a lot more AC in that room. Copy that. You know, just a bunch of nerds sweating out their breakfast burritos while coming up (laughs) with Batman dick jokes. Sounds awesome. Um, It was a good time. (laughs) Um, Who would like to hear this week's uh, update of the. bcc news um i feel so late doing that I know. it gets well, better every time yeah. Yeah. Later, yeah. which is kind of the fun um so did you guys hear jessica let me know if you heard about this um the massive um object that nasa spotted oh yeah that yeah. they're yeah. saying is maybe an alien probe yes uh called oh mao I believe, it, I believe it is. Yeah,
3: I've read about this before. This is like an article that circulates every, like once once or twice a year, I think. Isn't no, this it? is a
2: different thing. I is think a new you're one? thinking of that mega structure that they see out blocking a, uh, a distant star that they think might be some sort of alien right. megastructure. This is a brand... I get all my
3: alien probe news articles confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: probably true. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is from the Daily Beast. Jen Kirkman sent me this one first yeah. thing in the morning the other day. She texted <laughs> me. Um, Harvard astronomers think they might have spotted an alien spacecraft. We know everyone has a lot on their minds already on Election Day, so this is when it came out on Tuesday. But just so you know, some elite U.S. astronomers believe they have discovered evidence of alien life. Harvard University astronomers say a mysterious cigar-shaped object that was spotted hurling through our solar system at 196,000 miles per hour last year may have been an alien spacecraft sent to investigate Earth. Scientists have argued over the nature of the object since it was first discovered in 2017. Now, a paper, re, uh, paper by researchers at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics suggests that the dark red object, which was named uh, Umaumawa meaning a messenger that reaches out from the distant past in Hawaiian might have an artificial origin. Uh, it may be a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth vicinity by an alien civilization. However, astronomers admit that this is an exotic scenario mm. and also suggest it could be a form of advanced technology produced by humans? Wait, mm. how does that work? Yeah, that doesn't make like any sense. Like humans from the future? Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think about that, Jess? Have you seen this? Uh are you looking at it right looking now? I'm looking at
4: it right now. So what uh, do you
2: think? I, go ahead.
4: I mean, I'm just assuming it's probably just a piece of the space just a, around. Just a chunk of space <laughs> just broke up. Chun- just a chunk of space bro- broke up. <laughs> it's a I valid
2: mean, explanation. We uh, are in a chunky part of the solar system. <laughs>
4: Uh, and humans just like to think it's all about us. <laughs> right, right. They
2: so want to check us out. <laughs> they sent. They sent this giant rock all the way to this backwater ass planet.
3: What were some of the details of this thing, though? Because I remember my, my brother was telling me it, like it was it would like stop and then speed up to like nine hundred thousand miles an hour or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was right? saying one
2: hundred ninety six thousand miles per hour. Right.
3: So it, it would like change speeds or something like that, which is you know not uh, astronomical by nature, right?
2: I don't think so, but I don't know anything about space. Yeah, So, who knows? I just think it's kind of cool that... I mean, how do they know? It's just a big space rock, right? I mean...
1: I I mean, things can change speed when they come into the interaction of other gravitational
3: fields.
2: Oh, that's true, I suppose. Yeah. So, this is from The Independent. Uh, The Harvard scientist who suggested a piece of space rock might actually be an alien spacecraft says that the strange visitor doesn't look like anything we've seen before. Um, the research explored the unexpected movement of the rock and suggested it could be a, quote-unquote, light sail, which was sent intentionally by aliens to investigate Earth. Um, this is bizarro. This is scientists trying to find, like, alien life forms. It's like, when they're
3: already here, they're like, just, you know, just... What do you know that we don't? Listen to the contactees' experiences <laughs> or something, right? Wait, they're already here? The, that's what Bigelow says. They're, like, right under
2: our nose. Oh, boy, Bigelow, that guy again. Yeah. Have you read that book, The 37th Parallel that I said? No, you? I haven't gotten to it oh, yet, Oh, man, there's a lot of Bigelow goodness in that oh, one. Oh, really? Oh, good. Yeah, this is this book by um, Ben Mesrich, mm-hmm. who also wrote the book that the Social Network movie was based on. Oh, no way. And they talk about Bigelow setting up his in, like nids initially. Yeah. And um, Bigelow, there's a cool bit in there where Bigelow believes that the Black Triangle ships are, uh, are military. Are military. Great secret, secret blimps.
3: Yeah. Which is kinda cool. But that wouldn't make any sense of the uh, the Phoenix lights black triangle. No, that doesn't
2: mean that's a different craft. That's totally different. These are different the ones craft. with like the like three lights on the bottom that people see with right. like the center light. Okay, interesting. Anywho, um, let's get back out yeah. of this realm and mm-hmm. get back here on earth with our friend <laughs> Jessica. Jess! <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you you felt weird coming on the show for a number of reasons, but one of them <laughs> is mostly that we just met in a hotel room. <laughs> you're wearing a smoking jacket. Um, what is your personal paranormal history?
4: Um, I was thinking on this. Um, and I don't have a lot of like ghost stories. I have never been haunted. Um, I don't think.
2: I mean, congratulations! Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it's, a good thing. Take like
4: it day by day. But I do remember there's one there's one story and it relates to being an actress. Yes.
3: <laughs> okay, great.
4: So when I was seven in Albuquerque. I demanded that I get a Hollywood agent uh, to my parents.
3: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. My, in Albuquerque?
1: Yeah,
4: uh, my mom and dad were like, N- what are you talking about? Go, go to your room. Um, but <laughs> they let me audition for uh, like the local theater uh-huh. uh, troupe in Albuquerque. And my first production was As You Like It. And I played Hyman, the goddess of love. <laughs>
0: yeah, you Yikes.
4: Um, and the production took place at this theater called The so
1: you're Seven. Th- yeah, Seven playing <laughs> Hyman. Playing Hyman? Yeah, like, and I was like, this acting career is going to go great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yikes. Were there adults in this program? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or was it- so
2: you're the only I kid? I was the only kid. And you're playing
4: Hyman? <laughs> and I played a little goddess. Oh,
2: boy. <sighs> wow.
4: I remained intact throughout <laughs> the production. Oh,
0: God. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Sorry. Um, no, do not apologize. So...
4: Uh, we had our performances at the Kimo Theater in downtown Albuquerque. Always
2: a lively audience. Which the is Chemo Yeah, theater. yeah.
4: Which, oh, K-I-M-O. Okay,
2: whoops. Um, yikes. Yikes. <laughs> hey, everyone want to watch some insensitive <laughs> cancer jokes? Or
4: oh, no. Um, and uh, there's some folklore that surrounds that historic theater. Whoa. Built in 1927. Okay. Um, That's old enough to be haunted. Yeah. So, Um, It almost uh, had to close down during the Great Depression. There wasn't a lot of money in Albuquerque Uh to go see theater. But um, it had a big opening. And then in 1950, reopening, and then in 1951, a six-year-old named Bobby Darnell got scared during a production and ran out of the theater and went by the concession stand. And at that moment, the boiler exploded. What? Ooh. Yeah, and it killed this six-year-old boy named Bobby.
2: And now he's known as Bobby Boiler and, <laughs> and Bobby the Boiler Service. <laughs> wow. Um,
4: so his ghost still haunts the theater and so in the backstage there's a shrine to Bobby and there's all these pictures, all the cast. every cast has to give him an offering. and in general, I guess he loved donuts. And so
2: <laughs> you, you would think after the boiler exploded that like they'd he- want to clean
4: shit up back there. <laughs> right. Um, but instead on like one of the heating tubes, you put donuts and then at night he comes and eats them. I'm gonna say it's probably the rats of the chemo theater. Yeah. There's like you can see there's little bites <laughs> in the donuts, and that's Bobby.
3: That's Bobby eating those little <laughs> bites. Feeding a
1: population of rats. Bobby's a rat king yeah, that lives the rat under king. the floorboards yeah. of the stage.
4: Um and like a couple productions of like forgotten the donuts and like their are sh- like cords end up falling down during performances and like I'm Bobby Blair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me my damn. goddamn <laughs> donuts. Whoa. Um.
3: So. <laughs> so wait. He got like. So he got some sort of premonition, or like he was on stage
2: and he saw something. He or? was
4: watching it with his friends. Yeah. Just like these six-year-old like the theater goers. I love the ever of stories
2: that he got stage fright right now. Oh. I
4: do like that idea better. No, he was hmm. in the audience.
2: Oh, he was in the and audience he, on okay. the second
4: stage, like the balcony. Yeah. And he got scared, and so he ran down the stairs. And the concession stand is like right over this boiler.
3: Oh room. man, that's and the crazy. boiler
4: exploding. Yeah.
3: So it's like he got oh, called the to wolf. the explosion. Yeah. Come Bobby. down to the concession. Yeah. Bobby, get some licorice.
2: <laughs> um. So, did you ever have an encounter with Bobby Boiler Room?
4: No, I think we did our uh, duty and brought a bunch of donuts, so um, I think he was good with our production of As You Like It good. with Jessica Lowe in uh, her theatrical debut as Hyman. Yeah,
2: how did things go after that?
4: N- uh, downhill.
2: That, um, was, that was my That piece. was the highlight. Now <laughs> yeah. they're just trying to Hyman yeah. and backstage next to Bobby Boiler, You what could op- open ghost? up a little
3: uh, donut I'm... shop right next to the theater, you know? Oh, that's for, true.
1: Yeah, you, you should could...
2: call him Bobby B's <laughs> Boiling Bobby Donuts. Bobby B Bakery. I keep hearing an echo from this drum next to me, and it sounds like a voice is talking in my ear. It's and Bobby it's scaring me. Michael, <laughs> damn oh, man! Oh boy, I've already had a rough morning. More um, so, what was it like growing up in Albuquerque? Because I feel like that's sort of a supernatural place. You guys get a lot of like uh, lights in the skies out there, and
4: yeah, I mean. Um... I they do a lot of uh, nuclear testing out there (laughs) because we don't matter. Um, It's like NIMBY, except in New Mexico. Um, Not in my backyard, right? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay. Um, I got some looks. Tough room. Tough room. (laughs) And you know we have White Sands and we have um, a bunch of like nuclear facilities throughout. um, And I I don't know. I think there are a lot of probably some toxic chemicals
2: uh-huh
4: um i'm sure there's something in area 51 <laughs> that we shouldn't be seeing yeah. I I don't know.
2: Well, Area 51 is what? That's in Nevada. I mean, oh, it is. By there. Yeah. What's
4: the one that's like in Roswell?
2: That is. Oh yeah, because you grew up not too far from Roswell. Uh-huh. I, I think Los Alamos is near. Um... Los
4: Alamos is in the like n- like northern part of Albuquerque. Gotcha. Something's okay. down south.
2: Well, they have a big. They Roswell used to have a big air base, there, army base there, and I think that they do. There is a couple bases out there, and they definitely do a lot of new. Nu- they did a lot of nuclear testing out there, mm-hmm. and they also used to. Bring Bring German POWs and put them in Roswell because it's like two hundred miles of desert in every direction, so if they tried to escape they wouldn't get anywhere. Oh wow. So it's really, really crazy. Like their it's whole, like the, the whole desert. History, Alcatraz. Yeah, during World War Two was like pretty pretty wild. But did you grow up hearing stuff about like was Roswell a popular thing? Did people talk about No, like you know? we didn't
4: really talk about it.
2: Well, I would talk about it all the time and I didn't even live there. I know. Did you ever hear stories of like the when was the first time you remember hearing the story of the Roswell crash?
4: Um, I think probably around like seventh grade. We were looking at like aerial shots of mm-hmm. of like around uh, New Mexico, and there's just like this one section that's like classified, and that like did pique my interest. Like, you're not allowed to take a picture.
2: Of Roswell, uh,
4: like of that, of like the surrounding area of like where the crash is.
2: Mm. Oh, that's right, because that's where all the testing sites are.
3: Well, you ever heard of Dulce? That's in yeah, Dulce, in New is Mexico. New Mexico. What's that's, that? that might be the one you're that's thinking the, of. That's the secret. That's the new Area 51. That's like the secret underground military base where supposedly uh, aliens and humans are working together, and it's supposedly <laughs> like. <laughs> I love that reaction. And uh, no, now just listen here. Now <laughs> and uh, it goes like se- like seven hundred feet. On. There's like seven different levels underground. And
2: um, yeah, that's where the guy I can't remember his name, uh, the janitor that was working there at one point. I think or Phil a guy. Schneider. Phil Schneider was he a janitor? He was, no, he
3: was a geo engineer. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> knocked him down. Few
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was a rat king. Working <laughs> the floorboards. Yeah, right. do right. say he he claims. His story is that so this bioengineer used to work at Dulce and he claims that an alien shot his hand with a ray gun yeah, in one was, of the underground tunnels. There was an alien and,
3: attack down there. They were uh yeah, and and he was involved in it and he narrowly escaped with his life.
2: I was looking at that because knowing you're from New Mexico, I was like, maybe I'll do that for my high strangeness today, but mm. uh, I had I did not have enough time to research it. But one day we'll we'll definitely have to tell that story. Dulce is supposed to be like do you watch Stranger Things? Yeah. So like Dulce is supposed to kind of be like the lab where 11 was made and where the like hole to the uh, upside down is like that's all kind of based on dulce Mm -hmm. and then the fabled research lab that's off the shores of montauk Mm -hmm. um which i can't remember the name of but there's supposedly another black site on an island off off montauk in long island and supposedly they are making hybrid animals there and Weird. weird stuff um, yeah, they're stranger called, things based on that They're called
3: DUM uh, Which is an acronym for a Deep Underground Military Base Right And there's a few of them Across uh, Scattered across
2: the nation But Well I was born in Colorado Springs And there are definitely Like underground bases there Because Oh yeah like, That's a NORAD huge... And mm-hmm. all that and stuff there, And all that stuff um, When was the first time You visited an underground base Jessica? <laughs> oh never.
4: <laughs>
2: never You've never, <laughs> been, never, to never one? been to one? Oh man they're fun Uh I that that whole I don't know we gotta what, what, what do you think about the Phil Schneider thing? Well, you
3: know, it's funny. I I, I will in my story of high strangeness, which Phil I'll, Schneider, yeah, Phil Schneider is, is and Sounds I'll like a talk show host. I know it does. Um, it's very it's it's an interesting story, uh, and it, it's very kind of conspiratorial in nature, too. But you know, my my story actually intersects with his, uh, my story of high strangeness For that, next I'm, week. that I'm doing next week, um, which will be very interesting, but um. I don't know, he somehow was like this, uh, you know, he would go around these kind of UFO conferences and his and, and his knowledge of, of the underground base was so kind of like, um, it's just like he knew all about it and he had a, a lot of kind of information to back up his claims and stuff like that. So it made, it made for a very interesting story. Not only that, the guy's like, opens his shirt and he's like, and here's where the aliens shot me and there's like a big chest wound and... And he would talk about like this kind of agreement that they had to um to work together with the aliens and and that the aliens were allowed to like, you know, um, you know, kidnap and abduct certain uh you, you know, humans. That was like part of the deal so that they could experiment on them. It's very it's just like a very twisted and very dark kind of like story. Um, I, I just
2: Googled Phil Schneider, Dulce, and the first thing that popped up popped up is phil schneider is a total fraud <laughs> phil schneider is a total fraud
3: yeah well, um well. there's gonna be the naysayers out there um but yeah, yeah no but- it, his story definitely we should do one of uh, his own stories on high strangeness for yeah. sure because it's an interesting one for sure but, did
1: he die mysteriously yeah he
3: sort of died mysteriously too so after he was talking about all this stuff he ended up some sort of like apparent suicide with, right, uh, with mysterious it. surroundings Um, happening you know so i don't know who knows Boy. Oh good oh, boy.
2: Uh, Jessica. We have <laughs> a new um, segment. Yeah, we have a new segment called <laughs> "Michael Has a Manic Breakdown" in the voice of Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have a voicemail today. We wanted to kick into the uh, voicemail segment, and uh, I thought this would be a fun time. But it turns out you guys are just calling and hanging up on our voicemail. <laughs> like, leave us some messages. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. What's the number again? riley
1: it's three one zero five nine seven four eight zero three
2: call in leave your message so we can have fun listening to your uh questions and encounters questions and encounters yeah that's the name of my new bath line oh nice <laughs> <laughs> maybe some candles all right here we go it's just
1: bathrobes and scented candles
2: yeah <laughs> And some bath salts.
4: You say bathrobes?
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. All uh, right. Just get that mic close to you because you're up in the hot seat. This is a game that we like to call Bullshit or Believe It. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down a list of different things, and you're going to say Bullshit if you don't believe in it or Believe It if you do. And if it's in between, you can you can use uh, in tonal, <laughs> you can use express. <laughs> you can be emotive with your words. Great, great, great. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you only get to say bullshit or believe it. Great. And then we can circle back on anything you want to come back like, to.
4: Uh, believe it. Yeah.
2: Just well, that like great. that, That was perfect. And you're really good at this already, and you haven't even heard these. Alright? Bad at this. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> on your mark. Get set. <laughs> bullshit. Ghosts. B- believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Angels. Believe it. Gnomes. Bullshit. Fairies. Bullshit. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster.
4: Believe it? Oh, that was good.
2: Alien <sighs> greys. Like, gray aliens.
4: Believe it?
2: Parallel universes. Believe it. Oh, reptilians disguising themselves as humans. Bullshit! Mermaids. <laughs>
4: Bullshit!
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like you had to kill a mermaid to do it. <laughs> like, okay. A mermaid totally it died has to die <laughs> now. Uh, heaven, I
4: don't believe it. Hell, I don't believe it. Dragons, bullshit. Yeti, bullshit.
2: Elves, bullshit. ESP, bullshit. Chupacabra, bullshit. Demons. Bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace.
4: Bullshit.
2: Peace oh. in the multiverse.
4: Believe it?
2: <laughs> Yay, that was awesome.
4: I don't know. You are, uh,
2: <coughs> what? You don't know what?
4: I mean, there's some things where I'm like, I absolutely believe that there's no way we're the only intelligent life out there. Um, I'm like... Like the heaven and hell stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's not necessarily like you're you go to another place. Mm-hmm. I it's more like I think it's like a, a construction to help people um, purport themselves in a, like like do a better here.
2: Oh, okay, got it. Totally. So I don't
4: believe like it's a place. I believe right. it's like yeah, a mindset. So what do you think happens yeah. after you die? I think you just turn into worm
2: food. Really?
4: Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? But like, I believe that God worm food. Con- that
2: is brutal. Yeah, I know. Also, we
1: can add that to the list of band names. Yeah, worm food.
4: <laughs> I don't know. I, f- I feel like you. I don't know. What? I don't no, know. No, there's yeah. like a whole well, thing. None I just of us do. I just don't Nova. know. Um, there's a lot of things I don't know about, so I'm like more likely to say yeah, that's possible, then, like, right. that's bullshit.
2: Right. Oh, man. So uh, do you think, like, if we're just worm food mm. after we go, like, do you, so that just means our, like, soul or our personality just ceases to ex- exist, and it's just we're done.
4: I don't know. I mean, I keep talking about this show because I can't, I just watched it. Oh, but what is it? In Killing Eve.
2: Oh, this is supposed to be a great show, and I've hmm. not seen it. Oh,
4: it's so good.
2: I heard it's right up my alley.
4: It is outstanding. Okay. The, What's it on? What's it about? It's BBC America, and it's a woman who's trying to hunt a assassin serial killer. Okay. She's like obsessed with female assassins, and there's this one that's the best, and um, her name's Juvenel, I think. And, um, I'm, Juvenel or, or Hyman. Like, it's like vi- 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 <laughs> something, something French. She's outstanding, and she's about to kill this guy, and she talks about how the soul... Um, people always talk about it, it goes somewhere else. Uh-huh. She thinks that it just gets smaller once you die. Whoa. Like people have all this hope that you're gonna go to like a better place. They she thinks it like sinks into your bones.
2: Interesting. Which Whoa. is so
4: sad. So maybe I'm just like being like extra emotional because I just watched that episode. That's and- fine.
2: Uh, we welcome all sorts of emotions here at Bigfoot Collectors Club. You're you're really big on the thing, Bryce. That like heaven and hell are here on Earth. Yeah. What do you you mean by that?
3: Mm. Well, I believe it's like it's kind of like what you were saying. It's um, you know I don't believe hell is like some physical place that you uh, that your soul goes to um, when you die. I believe that like as humans we have the ability to um, you know uh, live a life of uh, of heaven or live a life of hell, and we can construct our own personal nightmarish hells here on Earth and. You know, we can we can live through hell on earth here. You know, and we can also live a very good life, like you know, um, um, you know, sort of, you know. I I believe yes, I believe those constructs are uh, mental paradigms, really. So it's like, uh, you know, you can live in heaven here, or you can live in hell, all depending on your really personal belief and philosophy, I suppose. Yeah.
2: What do you believe? <clears throat> um I don't know i i've i've we've kind of kicked this around on the show before. I kind of feel like the older I get, the more that I do think that there is something outside of this reality that uh, a higher dimension that we um have dropped down into this world from this reality from and returned to it after we die. Almost kind of like the matrix style or like you know, the way you are. Uh, when you're done with a book you put the book down the story ends but you're still the mm-hmm. consciousness that's absorbing the book you know i kind of yeah. feel like we i do feel like there's something after this i obviously don't know what it is um if you listen to people like um our 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 latest guest uh, adela levine who's a medium and an intuitive or if you li- if you read stuff that like terrence mckenna talks about uh, sort of like the higher dimensional realms um and Grant Morrison talks about this. He's a writer that I really like. Uh, that whatever it is is feels more real than where we are now. They keep describing it as being realer than real.
3: Yeah, it's a strange oddity.
2: Um, so that's really fascinating. That I think that the whatever that is is where we where we end up. I always like that um,
3: expression that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. I think
2: we are. The older I get, the more I really subscribe to the idea of like. Well, why are we here? It's like, well, we want to bounce down into the third dimension and experience what it's like to be a human, mm-hmm. and forget about where we come from. And it and and that goes. Unfortunately, that experience goes with all the trappings of our dimension in terms of pain, suffering, but also joy and um, pleasure. But like, you know, and I think it's possible that we could get lost down here and get bogged down and get mired, I and mean, we may not go back to where we came from if we're too kind of like obsessed with our lives here or cause too much destruction the
3: reincarnation philosophy that if you don't if you if you don't learn what you've come here to learn then you've got to kind of do it all over again right
2: yeah i mean i think you can get because we are basically like sort of spiritually like uh deep sea diving coming Mm -hmm. down into this dimension i think we can get lost here and i think it's possible you can't make it all the way back, and then that that that's kind of what the what hell would be is a place where you become you know just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you just like kind of can't. get I wouldn't back mind up on being higher, warm food because vibration. let
3: me you know if 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 you if you just go if you go from you know from dust to dust, then it's just like then you don't know about it, and you're not in any you're not in any pain worrying about it. I mean, if yeah. if if it's just lights out, then God, that would almost be one of the one of the easier routes to the afterlife because then. It's lights out, man. Then it's just like a really nice
2: sleep for eternity. And I know. I could that do sound that sound nice? It does. I, I mean, oh I don't want to cause anyone concern, but no. I was just thinking the other day. I was like, <laughs> I, I was. I really had the thought the other day. I was like, Wow, death is going to be such a sweet relief. One, day. I know.
3: I have often had that thought. Yeah, life is suffering, and listen, death might be. Death might not have a sting.
2: <laughs> Jessica, you were very uh, firm on parallel universes. In b- believing it,
4: I think there's no possible way, even if there is like one trillionth of a chance that there's like I, that, that's there. I mean, it's just the universe is so expansive. I don't think that there's any possible way this is the only universe right. that exists.
2: Yeah. Do
3: you think there's another Jessica in another parallel universe? Like, do you, a multitude of you?
4: Oh, man. I don't. I hope not. Yeah. Um, I'm I'll just kidding.
1: <laughs> there will be only one mission. There will only be one Jessica.
4: <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't think that there's like another one being exactly like me. Oh totally. My God, that's so a stupid. Star. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go freaking kill myself. <laughs> Sweet
0: release.
2: <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have this week's tale of high strangeness. Cool. Uh, We're back here with Jessica, and we are going to dip into this week's tale of high strangeness. And uh, I got a weird one for you guys this week. Um, It's a controversial story. And it's mostly controversial in the UFO uh, community because it's probably, I'm going to say it straight out of the gate, probably a hoax. But a lot of modern ufology was born from this uh, tale. Something happened. Something mm-hmm. went down. We know that. There was real people involved. It's just that the uh, the eyewitnesses behind the story, uh, as time went on, seemed to be maybe... A little a little sketchy. Right. Um in terms of their credibility. But it's a great story, and so here we have it. This is the tale of the Maury Island UFO incident. Ooh.
3: Maury Island.
2: Mari! Mari! Mari, did you bring your jacket? It's my my island. I love this UFO story. (laughs) Sorry. Mari, before you go back out there, put your windbreaker on. But there's a a UFO I think I gotta go. I just need a
3: flashlight or something.
2: So, uh... Maury Island is uh, in Puget Sound uh, off. uh, It's in uh, Washington State. Mm -hmm. Um, And this story takes place on June 21st, 1947. This is just a few days before Kenneth Arnold's fateful flight over Mount Rainier that launched the birth of the Flying Saucer Zeitgeist in the 20th century. And just about 12 or 13 days before the infamous Roswell crash. Yeah, busy year. Yeah, this was 47. This was considered the summer of flying saucers. This is basically like, so Kenneth Arnold, who we talked about a couple months back, he was a commercial pilot and salesman, or commercial, he was a businessman who flew his own plane. He wasn't a commercial pilot. Um, But he spotted nine uh, flying saucers. Uh, flying over Washington and he landed and told this story and that was he he described them as they they moved along like saucer skipping on water and that's where the term uh the press came up with flying saucers and then it just kind of took off like that and within two weeks the Roswell crash had happened so this 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 particular two weeks in late June early July of 1947 it's like People are seeing shit now. Like there's almost like mass hysteria happening where people are just like, "I see, I saw saw flying saucer too," that kind of thing. They were like super, super popular. So this was supposed to take place before Kenneth Arnold's flight. But it didn't come out until after. Uh, it did not make it into the public until uh, late July of, of that. So almost a month after it happened. So that's one reason to be a little skeptical is that, like, this story came out after Kenneth Arnold went public. Mm. Um, but this involves a boatman by the name of Harold Dahl, uh, D-A-H-L, his 15-year-old son, his dog, and two unidentified, unidentified men. Um, They were scouring Puget Sound uh, of driftwood. They were collecting driftwood and getting it out of the way for other boats um, off Maury Island. And uh, when Dahl claims that he looked up in the sky and he saw six donut-shaped craft descending uh, out of the sky, and they were about 2,000 feet up in the air when he first saw them. And he described them as donut-shaped um, it, this was a little inconsistent. I found one report that said they were a hundred feet across, and the hole, the donut hole, was twenty five feet across. Mm. And then I heard I read another report that said that they were thirty meters in diameter with about a six meter hole in the center. So well, now you're confusing me because you're doing meters and feet. I know, it's very <laughs> bizarre, which I guess is kind of close, but you're close. good you're good at math. Yeah. So that's that's close, right?
4: Yeah, you, you said thirty meters is nine sorry, thirty meters is about ninety feet? That's okay. about hundred feet.
2: All right, cool. So I guess that's it seems smaller, but adds up. Uh, I guess it's not. It adds up. All right. Great. And now you know out. why I'm an actor it's real. and I have a podcast about Bigfoot because I'm dumb. Um, no. <laughs> so.
4: <laughs> oh, no. So
2: they, um, they had portholes and a viewport, he thought, on these crafts. And the underside of the saucers around the donut hole were darker metal. So. The ships descend to about 500 feet over the boat, and the center ship comes down a little bit lower as the other five hover in a circle, just sort of above it and around it. Um, And they watched as this ship hovered there for a moment, and then one of the uh, second ship out of the five broke formation and came down and sort of connected with the first ship. Mm-hmm. And they heard a clanging sound, a, a big thud, a clacking, and then suddenly the original ship, the first ship starts pouring bits of white gleaming metal that are like almost confetti strips. They said it was I remember it looked like shredded new, newspaper. So they watched this happen and they they start to move the boat towards shore cuz they're getting, you know, they're freaking out. And then suddenly the light, shiny metal is replaced by these big chunks of like black metal or slag. And it starts falling out of the ship and it's steaming hot. And the water starts to steam and it falls on the boat, clanks on the roof, it dents it. Bad news. Yeah. They claim it killed the dog, Ugh. which sucks. I know. I was worried about telling you about that part of the story. I'm sorry. <laughs> And it broke his son's arm, and it burned um, Dahl's arm. Wow. So then they watch as the ship goes back up to the other five. Now, at this point, Dahl gets out his camera and claims to take pictures of of these ships. And then they watch them fly off. So Dahl then... Uh, takes his son to the hospital oh they said that they threw the dog overboard and buried him at sea which was really depressing I also feel like this dog didn't exist Mm. I'm just going to choose that the dog did not exist because I don't want it to die Um, the two men now disappear from this story and are not identified or heard from afterwards right and uh, his son would eventually run away in the following month to Montana and get a job waiting tables. And they said that he had, like, a dissociative disorder-like break in his personality, and he wow. disappeared. Went off, and then to, to just to Montana. He just went over to Montana. So um, the next morning, Dahl gets a knock on his door, and he opens it to find... A man dressed in a black suit, driving a brand new black Buick sedan, standing mm-hmm. outside his door. And this is one of the reasons that I wanted to do the story. It's the first official appearance of a of a, one of the MIBs, of Men in Black, in a UFO story. Mm. So this is like right from the get go that we started having UFOs and flying saucers. Here come the Men in Black. Like I didn't mean it that. I mean I actually did not mean to. Right. <laughs> I did not mean to. <laughs> But here we go. But that's how it works. So, <laughs> so this Men in Black says, "Hey, um, we need to talk." And Doll assumed he was from the government, even though the guy didn't show him any ID. He took him to a diner, and they had breakfast. And over breakfast, this Men in Black did not, Man in Black did not ask him any questions. Doll says that he just recounted the siding that he had mm. with the donut-shaped crafts to him. So it's just sort of like, here's what happened. You saw this, blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't know how he knew. And then he said, if you want to protect your family and yourself, you won't tell anyone about this about this siding. So, of course, um... uh, Dahl then goes and tells his uh, partner, who I think co-owned the boat or helped him scour the driftwood. He was not part of the original sighting. This guy named Fred Chrisman. And he goes and tells Fred everything that happened. The sighting, uh, that this man in black visited him. He gave Fred Chrisman his camera that supposedly had the film on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And Chrisman didn't believe him, Fred Chrisman. But he went out to Maury Island and he said that he saw the black rocks that fell out of the boat or out of the UFO. And he collected some samples. And then he said he looked up in the sky and saw one of the crafts hovering overhead. While he said watching him. And then it drifted off into a cloud. Mm. So... Um, Chrisman and Dahl contact Ray Palmer, who's the publisher of Amazing Stories, and would later go on in the next, like, couple years to start Fate Magazine, which had a bunch of stuff of, like, Fortean times and, you know, Fortean stories and UFO stories. Kenneth Arnold would write for uh, Fate Magazine an article about his... Um, uh, his his uh, encounter, and meanwhile, what's happening since Kenneth Arnold has had his sighting? Uh, this is over the course of the month of July. He's started going out and being sort of an amateur Fox Moulder, interviewing other UFO eyewitnesses and people who claim to see flying saucers, and he's collecting all this information. He's become a part-time UFO investigator because he's really into this stuff, and yeah. he would go on his whole life going to conferences and talking about this he became like a full-fledged ufologist um so palmer hears from chrisman and doll this story and palmer's been following uh kenneth arnold for the past few weeks so we're like mid-july roswell's now happened come and gone and uh, kenneth Ar- or uh, ray palmer contacts kenneth arnold and says hey you should fly out and meet these guys because they claim to have this uh um, encounter. So Kenneth Arnold gets in his plane, flies from, like, uh, I think he was in Montana, uh, or Boise, Idaho. He was in Boise. He flies from Boise back to Washington State, and he meets them in a hotel in Tacoma, Washington. And then one of the weird parts of this is when, according to lore, Kenneth Arnold gets to the hotel to check in, and there's already a room checked out um, in his name. Hmm. And um, so he's like, okay. He goes and he gets, he takes that room.
3: That's strange, Mr. Well, Arnold.
2: You strange, checked in this morning, exactly. <laughs> so he goes in that room, and I guess Dahl and Chrisman come out and meet him mm-hmm. to Tacoma, and they sit and they tell him the story. They tell him what happened, and they show him the show him the rocks. Um, and Kenneth Arnold's kind of like, I don't know, I don't buy it. He's kind of thinking this story is a little bullshit. Something about these two guys is giving him a funny vibe. Right. Um, and I think he brings out with him or has uh, a Captain Smith who was a commercial airline pilot, R.E. Smith, I think. He comes out. They've He and Arnold have been talking since uh, Arnold's UFO sighting, and he's like a commercial airline pilot who's also seen stuff. So this guy comes out, and he meets with um, Dahl and Chrisman as well, and I think he takes the rocks and looks at them they have like a few samples of these rocks and they decide to call out two air force guys um who come up and um they come out their guys their names are william l davidson and lieutenant frank m brown they come out (laughs) they meet with them And they're taking this kind of seriously, I guess, because they're just like, I guess Kenneth Arnold and Smith are like, these guys have such a wild story. And they got physical evidence too. Well, and the thing that like Smith was doing, and also you have to remember, this is like post World War II. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the beginning of like the Cold War kind of era, and these guys are taking these things seriously. They're not, they're still not even thinking these are necessarily alien spacecraft. They think it could be sure. Russian Russian crafts that are spying on people. So Smith, I know, is taking everything that he's learning from these interviews and reporting straight back to the FBI. Right. He's kind of taking it seriously in that sense. So he everything that these guys tell Smith, Smith turns around and tells the FBI and I think he even sent the rocks that they sent them. So the Air Force guys come out, they're looking at these rocks and they're like, this isn't anything. These guys are lying. So, but they take a couple of the samples back with them and and the weird thing that happens is they're flying back after this meeting. Yeah. Oh, no. Their plane crashes, and no. they get killed.
3: I remember this whole now, story. Now,
2: while this is all going down, over the three or four days that they're interviewing these guys, a anonymous source starts calling a um, a reporter at the Tacoma Times called named Paul Lance. And this, this guy does not identify himself. He says he's a switchboard guy, operator. And, um, but I don't think there was any male switchboard operators at the hotel, so that was sort of like that's mm-hmm. why they think it was a lie this guy anonymously starts leaking to the press um, that this UFO sighting occurred that Kenneth Arnold's up here, the Air Force people are up in Tacoma meeting with Chrisman and Dahl so the press, the whole Pacific Northwest the press starts running this story and then it culminates with like the spin that these two air force guys who were out interviewing them crashed so after the plane crashed chrisman kenneth is still up in tacoma this is like day two or three and chrisman and doll are like dude that plane that with those guys air force guys crashed and those guys were killed And they tip off... um, I think Paul Lance contacts Kenneth Arnold, and he's like, hey, just so you know, I've been getting anonymous uh, tips from... Like, someone is leaking this story in your group. um, Or someone is spying on you guys and reporting this stuff. And then... um, Kenneth Arnold was like, well, shit, this is a little weird. He's like, I don't know if these guys saw a craft or not. I don't think they did. But he was getting paranoid in the sense he's like, something is going on here. And there was also a a version of this story that um, people think that the FBI may have started leaking out this story to the press as well because... That for disinformation, and that there was maybe some toxic dumping happening by the military up around Moray Island, mm. which I think is also just sort of like yeah, a yarn sense. attached to uh, a larger yarn. Yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short, Kenneth Arnold, he takes oh oh, and the the the, the pieces of the rock that the Air Force guys had brought slag. with them, the slag went missing in the crash. Right. Um. And somebody told, I think told Paul Lance, who told Kenneth Arnold, that that they believed that the sh- the plane was actually shot down from a, 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 a cannon on a boat off the water. And, and they claimed that they saw that it was shot down by the military. Hmm. Whoever this anonymous caller is, right? So we'll get to that in a sec. So much here. So much to chew on. I know. So then Arnold flies back after the uh. investigation... And he has to make a safe crash landing because there was something wrong with his fuel line. Mm. So he was like, I don't know what's going on here, but there's some shenanigans happening. Now, my theory is that all of this was cooked up by Chrisman, Fred Chrisman. And because he had previously contacted Ray Palmer and Amazing Stories with a, with a wild tale that when he was fighting World War II in Burma, he had to fight a bunch of monsters in a cave that had ray guns. Okay. So he's already tried to get some publicity. You don't like that one? Well, how about this one? How about this one? And this story, you know, came out.
4: Six donuts
2: dumped <laughs> over an island. <laughs> oh, my God. We have a donut theme. Bobby Boiler. <laughs> yeah. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby <laughs> this is for you. Man, thank we you. didn't even—I didn't even realize this was so. I should have brought donuts <laughs> today. Oh, man.
3: Bring them next
2: time. So I think Crispin <laughs> cooked. I think Don and Chrisman cooked this whole thing up. Um,
3: I just had a visual of like you research and then we we're like, oh wait, cave monsters,
2: ray guns. Wait, <laughs> yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's crazy about it is like. It has all of the elements of a UFO conspiracy cover-up in this story. Yeah, like Air Force guys mysteriously die. These people are like, you know, there's there's someone spying on them. A Men in Black dude shows up for the first time, and I, that's why I think it's a significant story in UFO lore because it's got a lot of the DNA of a modern UFO story. For now, sure. That now, I'm not necessarily saying that means that all UFO stories are therefore fake. But you can start to see where the folklore kind of like gets its archetypes. It's all it's all within it's all crazily within this same four week period in 1947. Wow! Between Roswell, which we still haven't done yet, um, Kenneth Arnold, and then this story, the Maury, Maury Island story, and then Men in Black would become fermented in ufology a few years later in 1955 with a book um, called uh, by Albert K. Bender. He was really into the Men in Black and he wrote a book called They Knew Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers where Mm. he collected stories of people being interviewed by Men in Black he had his own MIB encounters that's a whole other episode for another time
3: yeah John Keel was big on the Men in Black as well
2: yeah Um, crazy uh, uh um uh, what do you call it? Notation to this story is that Chrisman, Fred Chrisman, would later be called in as a witness in the JFK trial. Oh my God! Um, he was like. Subpoenaed to uh, talk about one of the suspects or a witness. I can't. I didn't really go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But he's connected to JFK conspiracy theories. People. Some people think that he's been a CIA agent from the beginning, just uh, spinning like disinformation and confusion. Um, it's a crazy story. It's really weird. I I I kind of fall into the bullshit category on this one. How dare you! But I I love it. I love donut ships shaped ships. Yeah. I like. I don't like dogs dying. No. That's no good. Right. But uh, I love me some MIB. I love me a conspiratorial breakfast. And, you know, I don't know. It's a good story. That's the Maury Island UFO incident. Wow. Well done. Thanks. Well told. So what do you think? <sighs> Jesse, ask all of our guests, what the hell was that?
4: What the hell, what the
2: hell was that?
4: I mean, I think everything is a freaking government conspiracy. Do it's all you? Yes. Are you really
2: into that stuff?
4: I think those motherfuckers are always up to no good. Oh <laughs> yeah. And they're just doing some bullshit over those islands, probably yeah. getting rid of toxic waste in some beautiful place, some fisherman saw. Yep. Um... And then they perpetuate the UFO thing, so it's not like our government is poisoning our waters.
2: Mm. Well, I have to tell you, I've and
4: like fucking up maneuvers, like right. they were trying to do, like some maneuver, and then they docked too close, and then they almost crashed, but like their part of their planes fell into. So the do ocean. you think they had
2: donut shaped planes?
4: No, like so I don't know about that part. Right. I think. It might have been I don't know how close it was. It right. might have been an optical illusion, like with the water reflecting into you know, the sun.
2: Sure. You know what makes you me You can't trust those optical illusions. Uh. <laughs> they have, get you every time.
3: Have you ever seen those videos of the UFO videos where they where where it's like some like um UFO releasing that slag that you call it? Like no. you haven't seen those? Well, I've seen a few videos of like UFOs and they're like, you know, they're dropping some sort of like element and, and it like sparkles and, and uh Ooh. Yeah, so it's like, it kind of like, you know... tracks? Yeah, it tracks a little bit for me there. Um,
2: Well, after the plane crash to kill the two uh, Air Force guys, um, Chrisman, I neglected to mention, Chrisman and Dahl started to retract their story. Yeah. Um, But later they claimed it wasn't because they were taking the story back, it's because they wanted to stop talking about it because once those two Air Force guys crashed, whether... Shit got real. Whether it was real or not, it freaked them out, and they believed it enough to think that maybe... Or, the, or so they claim that they were like, OK, Listen, we're going to stop talking about two this Air
3: Force guys aren't just going to like grab some like materials um, unless they're like seriously interested in and bring it back to their base. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not, that's
2: what was interesting is they said in the story, <clears> they said that, oh, yeah, I guess just we'll aluminum rocks they, they were like, this is just aluminum yeah. or some slag from a nearby quarry. But then um, then they uh, they still took it back with them.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the when stories you know, witnesses who shit. say that they have like physical evidence. I mean, that's when that's when people become really interested. You know what I mean? Especially like a couple of Air Force guys,
2: Mari. Those two guys from the Air Force <laughs> are here. They want to look at your rocks. They want the slag. I'm, they're not going to get it, <laughs> Mari. Check, check their IDs, Mari. All the windows are open in here. Put on a shirt. <laughs> it's freezing. I hid the slag. I knew. I knew they were coming. I had precognition. I like. I didn't. I, I'm fascinated to find out, Jess, that you're so paranoid of, from the by of the government.
3: Yeah, that's good. You should be. They're up
4: to no good.
3: <laughs> They're up. They're no. up
4: to no good. <laughs> yep,
3: yep,
2: yep,
4: We're not safe. We never have been.
2: I would agree with all that. <laughs> oh my god.
4: My favorite part of the story is how you were. Really focused on doing a scalp massage for yourself, so that you didn't puke into your
1: stomach.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you were just just slowly, uh, just a slow
2: temple rub, temple rubbing. I was like, I got <laughs> to get. Through have you this ever? Have you ever got story. to the point like we've been doing this for a
3: year right now? So it's like that's like fifty two of these like crazy stories. Sometimes I'll be getting to one, and I'll be like. Doing that tube like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what am I We're doing? We're a little Maury from time to time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Jess,
2: <laughs> I got to ask you, we haven't asked this question for to a guest for a long time. Uh, we used to have a segment on here called Collectors uh, Club, Collectors Corner. Yeah. You've just heard us be weird for like uh, almost an hour. What is the shit that you're weird about? Like, what are you into like this? Do you collect anything or do you follow obsessively? certain shows or I don't know. Did you ever have like a weird hobby like this where you're just like, people don't understand, but I do.
4: Um, no. And that's like the real tragedy of my life is I'm just like, except I'm like the government's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I,
2: I mean acting was a big thing obviously because yeah. you wanted to do it since you were a little goddess. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. It was a tiny little goddess. Yeah. Tiny little intact hymen. Um, it's so gross.
2: I it's like I, I hear what Bryce is talking about and I'm like, sometimes I hear myself halfway through one of these stories and I was, and I am like, What am I doing? And that's probably <laughs> when the temple rub <laughs> starts to happen. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, it's been another lovely session in the Bigfoot Collectors Club, Jess. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Should you choose to be found?
4: Um, just I'm I'm just gonna be care- taking this beautiful white dog. Oh, I know. Um, I am on Instagram. Yes. As Jess Marlowe. Uh, it's hard to spell do your best J-E-S-S M-A-R-L-O here's the thing S's sound like F's and L's sound like O's so sometimes it sounds like I'm saying Jeff Marl
1: wait maybe you should start another Instagram wait a minute yeah called Jeff Marl I can't it's a side project it's all the
2: things that Jeff Marl's doing and you play Jeff Marl you like tuck your hair up into a hat yeah, <laughs> hi, I'm Jeff Morrow. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I like antique rugs. Uh.
2: I also enjoy that you are from uh, Albuquerque, but you sound like you're from like South Carolina. What? You kind of have like a little country twang to you. No, a little bit, sort I of. I don't, don't know. You
4: think? I, I guess. I don't. I
2: guess. I mean, well, like,
4: if
3: I, like I think
4: you're crazy, <laughs> but like, honestly, it's so late. Like, I need to get some grits in me, or else I'm just 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 pass out. Um. And then Twitter, I and mostly Twitter. just retweet stuff. Oh, man. Just conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> theories.
2: <Yeah. No. laughs> the government is killing you.
4: Uh, Twitter is maniac.
2: Oh, that's Here's funny. the thing. There are th- hundreds of
4: thousands of Jessica Lowe's in the world. Yeah. And I am not an early adopter. So there's some Jessica Lowe that's always going to get the Jessica Lowe before I get Damn, the
2: Jessica yeah. Lowe. That's why my McMill's has two Zs. Because there was already a McMill's. I just heard a story on a great podcast, I'll plug it, called Reply All, about um, people who hunt down and, like... they like stalk people and blackmail people to get and steal their identity to get their OG like handle names, mm. and then they will sell that handle name to a buyer for like thousands of dollars. So like <laughs> OGs, OG names uh, are like really popular on the dark uh, on the wow. on the dark web wow. to, for selling. Isn't that weird? What yeah. a weird. What a weird, wild world we live That's in. That's why right? I
4: own www.bradpitt.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm
2: just waiting
4: for someone to find out for It's money.
2: coming. I bet you could sell that for cool 150 <laughs> at least. We want $287. <laughs> yeah. um, Bryce, um, God, I did it again. I looked at Riley, and I called him Bryce. He uh, Riley.
1: Well, I mean, he's there, too, so he's work either way.
2: Riley, uh, Spindrift is going on tour soon, correct?
1: Yeah, we leave on Wednesday. All
2: right, well, this, uh, this episode airs on Wednesday, we leave today yeah so where are you guys going (laughs) where can people come find you guys
1: uh well the tours built around this festival we're playing in austin called the saturnalia festival oh cool uh which is a cool psych rock festival so we're doing shows on the way there and back uh but yeah we're uh, just playing throughout the southwest um making our way to austin and back so if you're in that region we're doing about eight shows so great we'd love to see you
2: come check out that and uh bryce Anything to plug
3: for the kids? No, just uh, follow us on Instagram at uh, Bigfoot Collectors Club. um, And we're also on all the social media accounts. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like what we're doing. And uh, if you're really interested in some of our other material, follow us on Patreon.
2: Yeah. Oh, please do. And please, please, please review us on iTunes. Um, It really helps us. uh, We're trying to get up that list.
1: And one more time, call us at three one zero five nine seven four eight zero three. We won't pick up, but don't be scared. Don't hang up. Yeah, leave, don't hang up. We're not going to pick
2: up. You just leave a message. We're just going to air you on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we might. We might not. If uh, you know, well, it depends on if you hang up or not. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much to our guest Jessica Lowe for thank being you, here Jessica. today. You're wonderful. Thank you for having me. Always welcome um, back. It's going to be really weird when we never speak again after this. <laughs> it's been a fun three days being your <laughs> At friend. At least you didn't get
3: murdered.
4: <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you sassy dance videos. I, w- I would love sassy then dance videos. And just kids. like a bunch of dogs being pet. Oh,
2: that's Aww. great. Now this is, we're already friends, I can tell. Um, so thank you everybody listening. Uh, we love you guys. We'll be back next week with an all new episode of Bigfoot Cluckers Club. Oh, no, he's knock, puking.
4: Knock. He's, puking. Wow. He's, puking. Oh.
2: he's puking. That is 100% agave puke. Oh, <laughs> pure, pure agave. Pure agave.
3: Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month.
2: Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds.